Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. I hope you uh, enjoyed the meal and your, I saw a lot of people trading chocolate cake and cheesecakes around different ways. Um, uh, they were both pretty good though, I thought. I didn't eat, I ate my cheesecake and let my wife have the uh, chocolate that she really wanted. So we have a couple of things to do tonight. I'm looking forward to our speaker in a little bit. Uh, Deb Cook-Lewis will be joining us to uh, talk with us for a while, tell us her story. But before we get there, I'd like to introduce uh, Vicki Golightly, who has some information about our awards tonight. Vicki? Thank you, Jay. So some of you are new, so you may not know about the two awards that we present. So I will very briefly summarize them. One of them is called the Gordon P. Stevens Award. He was an outstanding OCBer, and um, I did I knew him very briefly, and uh, he was just a really neat guy. This award is bestowed to someone who is always willing to help, volunteers readily, thinks about what others need, and really just has a, an, an outstanding attitude. The Leroy F. Saunders Award. Now, Leroy was, he is deceased, uh, as is Gordon, and Leroy was the president of the American Council of the Blind, which is, as I think you all know, our parent organization or our national organization. And Leroy was also the director of the League for the Blind, now called uh, New View, Oklahoma, and employment was extremely important to him. He wanted to see blind people employed. And so we do have an award based on uh, employment, people who have a passion to employ people who are blind or visually impaired, and that is the Leroy F. Saunders Award. Now. I chaired the awards committee, and Marilyn Sanders, who many of you know, worked with, with me on that committee. And it is my pleasure now to introduce a very active woman in OCB, a career profit, excuse me, professional in the world of blindness and visual impairment. And there is a special reason why she is presenting these awards this evening. So I'd like to introduce you to Pam Holloway. I guess uh, the... Uh... Okay, I... Uh... 
decided to nominate for both awards. Uh, I was thinking about two individuals and uh, for the uh, Gordon Stevens Award, I got to thinking about this gentleman that is a counselor and I have worked with him for, for several years as a rehab teacher. And uh, he has put several people to work and that's Jared Leeson. <coughs> <laughs> so Jared, I it's been a privilege to work with you all these years and uh to see I mean of course not everybody goes to work successfully but I've seen you do that many times and I just thought that you deserve this award. So is he coming up to get it or what? <laughs> Do you want to read on it? Yeah, that's the wrong. No, it's the uh, it. Oh, did I say the wrong yeah, one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jared, I said the wrong one. <laughs> Come this way. <laughs> I said the wrong name. I was going to put you as doing something else. <laughs> and when, when we did the award, we left off employment, but uh, it means the same. Okay. So for your meritus and exemplary, they wrote these big words and expected me to slam uh, services to employ people. What does say employ? People who are blind or visually impaired in Oklahoma through innovative vision, actions, follow through, and passion, September 2022. Thank you. Okay, this time I'm going to get it right. <laughs> so, this award, next award, is the Gordon Stevens Award. Now, this gentleman is another guy. I'm sorry, ladies. <clears throat> this gentleman this summer showed me how helpful he could be. I did not know this gentleman that well, but we went to a convention. He's going to guess who it is, but we went to a convention, the ACB convention, and he helped many of us blind folks get from here to there. And at the same time, he helped his wife, who is Kay Love, by pushing her wheelchair and helping us to get where we're going. So I want Tom Love to come up here. I feel like you deserve this. Okay. This one's the Gordon P. Stevens Award presented to Tom Love, and it has the same hard words again. <laughs> For your meritus and implementary, voluntary, servant, whatever, guys. <laughs> Through your innovative visions, actions, follow through, and passion for the betterment of individuals who are blind and visually impaired 
2022. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's something that I, I did not know anything about or guess. Uh, I was just having, I've been having fun. That's all it is and everything else. And if you're not in it for fun, you're not right. But I have so much fun with this group and my wife, she's my brain and she keeps me straight. Thank you. Those are, those are two very deserving people. And Pam, thank you for acknowledging. You know, we have these awards every year. We don't always give them, but when you see on our listserv the next time that we're looking for nominees for the Gordon P. Stevens Award and for uh, Leroy, Leroy, it's technically Leroy, right? Leroy Saunders Award. Uh, please make sure you uh, think about those people, especially uh, when you're going to nominate someone. I'd next like to introduce now our keynote speaker this evening, and she's been working with us all day today in various capacities, and she really is a very, very talented person, and I've grown to know her and really care a lot about her. She's uh, someone that we can all uh, enjoy tonight. Will you please help me welcome the Vice President of the American Council of the Blind, Deb Cook-Lewis. Well, being at your banquet tonight is a real thrill. Um, I missed dinner and I didn't get any chocolate cake or cheesecake, but that's okay. Um, I had a wonderful dinner of Chinese food during the break, so we're, we're all good. Uh, this is not my first rodeo to present at a banquet in this sort of way. Um, my affiliate streams its conventions every year. It has done that since 2007. I started doing it for them in 2008. I had to think about what years are we talking about. And so um, in that course of that, we do kind of the same thing you all did where the banquet ends up in the next room and we leave all the equipment where it was. And uh, and so I've often been in a room by myself taking care of the stream and sound and stuff while everybody is over there eating dinner. And then I sneak through that little thing that they put up to make the rooms divided so that I can snag a dinner. So I'm actually pretty familiar with the kind of the weirdness that this is because um, you don't hear all the people eating and you don't hear all the people talking and it's just really odd, but I've done it lots of times. So I guess I'm used to it. What I'm not particularly used to is trying to give a talk this way though. So um, bear with me. It's a little puzzling to me. Um, so when uh, Vicky and um, and all asked me if I and Elaine and Jay asked if I would um, tell my story, I said because it's always what you do when people ask you. Sure, that sounds great. Are you kidding? I have no idea. So, <laughs> I, you know, I always say yes, and then I come back and I say, what are we doing here? So my husband, trying to help me be ready for this, uh, last night said, have you prepared your talk for Oklahoma? And I said, well, I, I know there are some things that I want to say, but 
I don't know. I mean, I I would go around telling you everybody has a story. And I believe that sincerely. And I find it interesting to hear and learn people's stories. But I'm not sure I have a story, right? So there's that. So I said, I'd rather tell your story. And he laughed and he said, they, they really don't want to hear my story. But I think you'd be fascinated with a small item from his story. So I'm going to give you that before I give you mine, because I think it's pretty entertaining. So um, my husband and I are both um, congenitally blind. Um, we... Um, he has no vision. I have very little still. Um, I had a little bit more, but um, uh, recently I uh, discovered that I had um, inoperable cataracts. So that's taking care of the rest of it. Um, but anyway, and that's kind of been a trauma to me, actually, more than I expected it to be. But but it has. But anyway, my, my husband um, has, as part of his work history, he is a, um, he's retired now, we're both retired, but he was a professional radio broadcaster. And his last employment was um, writing news for Westwood One in Phoenix, um, which is kind of an interesting, he hated that job, but it was, I thought it was an interesting job. And, um, but the job that he had before he wrote um, news for Westwood One was that he was a traffic reporter. So, uh, so if you can picture the idea of a totally blind person as, as the traffic reporter that in the morning and in the evening tells you where to go during your commute and where not to go. <laughs> <laughs> all that kind of thing. And most people, of course, well, probably no people realized necessarily that that he was blind. But one of the funny things about, um, there were probably many things that were funny about uh, his being a traffic reporter, but my favorite story about his being a traffic reporter uh, was when one of the car dealerships uh, contacted uh, the station uh, about the traffic reporter and wanted to know if the traffic reporter would be willing to do an endorsement for their car, the car they sold and would, you know, sit in the car and just, you know, swear up and down basically that this was the car I want to have, you know, <laughs> I'm going to drive this car everywhere. And my husband was like, you know, you can do certain things as promotional things. Like you can say you drink Coke when you really drink Pepsi or whatever, but it's really going to be a tough sell to say that this blind guy is going to be driving around in their car. And I said, right, is that the warning that everyone else should get off the road? So um, so my husband had a very, very interesting career, but I, I uh, like to tell of his being a, a, a traffic reporter because I think that that's a very unusual job for a blind person to have. And Frankly, his job was much more unusual for a blind person to have than any job I ever had, even though I had a million jobs. So, uh, but I think everything I did, I can conceive of doing as a blind person, but that one was kind of fascinating to me. So I thought I would share it. 
So I'll start with, um, on me, I'll start with, and this, this is hard, actually. <laughs> uh, the other thing I thought about doing is, is talking for two minutes and then just throwing it open and having you ask me what you want to know, because I'm not shy, but it's just, you never know what would be interesting to people, what would sort of resonate with them and, and what would sort of encourage them and challenge them and, and whatever they kind of are looking for, entertain them, I suppose. So I'll start with the present, and then I thought I'd just kind of hit the highlights of some things in my life and some things I learned from them, and sort of the what I would do for the for the future. You know what I think is sort of the takeaways for blind people, sort of as we go along in the future, and and see if that gets us. And I'll try to do it quickly so we can get to the auction. Um, but I uh, I thought these would be useful, so. Um, I'm, I'm retired. I retired in 2018 from the University of Washington, and I worked for something called the Tech, uh, Center on Technology and Disability Studies. The university likes big words, so they would love to have written your awards statements for you because they love, they love complicated things. Um, I worked for the university for, let's see, about 20 years, I guess. And then before that, I worked for um, uh, the General Vocational Rehab Agency and then the Department of Services for the Blind. In our state, Washington State, we have two completely separate agencies. So all of the blindness services, the uh, rehab, um, the employment piece, the rehab teaching, uh, what we call ch uh, children's services, which are not school. I mean, we have a separate school, but but these are vocationally related uh, services for youth. Um, and um, the older blind program, all those things happen through services for the blind. Um, so um, I retired from all that in 2018, and my mom passed away. Um, the same week that I retired. So we knew this was coming. It was not, it's, it's always hard, but it was not a huge surprise. And my sister, uh, I lived in Seattle, which is the kind of the big city for Washington state. And um, my sister wanted to move my dad uh, to the east side of the state, which is a completely different area both politically, geographically, weather-wise, it's a different country. <laughs> it's completely different. And she wanted to bring my dad over here so she could take care of him. He's 91 now. He's still living and fairly healthy. Um, and so um, my other sister was already over here. And so my husband and I decided uh, that we would move here as well so the whole family would be together. I could talk about that for a couple of hours, actually. That's been a real challenge, uh, moving from a very urban environment to a relatively rural environment um, and um, the challenges of so much less transportation. And um, I lived over in this part of the state for a while when I was working. In fact, when I first came to work at Services for the Blind, that was how I got to work for them was to be willing to come over here. And so uh, in those days, I was able through my work to meet a lot of people and, and become acquainted with a lot of folks. And um, that isn't happening now because I'm retired. So it's been actually a really big adjustment. Um, but that has given me lots of time for my work with ACB 
um, and uh, the things that I do for them, uh, which mostly relate to ACB Media, but there are other things. Um, because I am an officer, there are other things that I've had to do as well. Um, I also, while I've been over here, uh, took on the um, position, well, I took on a, a, a uh, I position as as a commissioner for the State Human Rights Commission, and over time have become chair of that. That will complete this summer, so I'm not seeking another term. Um, but that's been a very, very uh, interesting uh, opportunity. And some of you who have been in ACB a long time may uh, remember Sue Amateur, who was my mentor in ACB and uh, sort of the the Human Rights Commission after her passing, which was actually also in the week of my retirement. <laughs> Boy, I was beginning to think I shouldn't I shouldn't retire. Everybody around me was going to like pass away um, if I didn't work. But anyway, the um, that all happened at the same time. So uh, their response to that was to ask me to come and serve on the Human Rights Commission, where she had been an employee and an advisor to them for many, many years. Uh, the third thing that I do in my world over here is that I'm on the alumni advisory board for Guide Dogs for the Blind, and they are getting ready next month to have their 80th reunion, 80, 80th anniversary reunion of guide dog users and, and uh, um, puppy raisers and what all have you, of whatever of them there are from the last 80 years. Um, and uh, so... Um, that's about as big as ACB's convention. So I just got done recovering from working on ACB's convention, and now I'm working on Guide Dog's uh, convention. So it, it gets a little crazy. And the other thing that we do, um, my husband in his retirement has a, a small internet radio station because he's a broadcaster and that's just what he wants to do. So if you're not going to pay him to do it, he'll do it for you for free. So uh, so we have a small internet radio station that is licensed and legal and on the internet. And it's called The Ride Radio. Ride stands for Rick and Deb. So it has nothing to do with riding anywhere. It just has to do with us. And so it's theriderradio.net. And uh, we are 24-7. In fact, he's getting ready to do his regular Saturday night live uh, programming. And uh, it's an, mostly an oldies station, except that I play country music. So he has to put up with three hours a week of my classic country. But other than that, uh, it's pretty much a 60s, 50s and 60s and early 70s oldies and programmed by him. So that's kind of our retirement life and our adult sort of life. <laughs> when you kind of go back, though, a few years, I said I was too old to be in the next generation group. Um, and that's that's true. Um, the next time I have a birthday, I'm not planning to do it for several years. But the next time I do, I will be 70. So um, that kind of gives you a perspective of where I am. That means that I was a blind kid raised in the late 50s and 60s. And so uh, that was kind of an interesting time for uh, blind people. There was um, a lot changing in terms of well, where kids went to school and, and a lot of things like that. And uh, in my particular case, um, I went to public school all the way through. And I also 
uh, was the only blind kid in my school, except for the first couple of years when I was bused over to a school where they had a program to teach Braille and things like that. But as soon as I had that stuff done, the basics of, um, I was sent back to the regular school in my district and went the rest of the way. I have different thoughts about that. Um, I I think there was a lot of value in being mainstreamed, but I think, um, and at the time, the School for the Blind here was not an exceptional place just because there were uh, so many uh, kids go- leaving and going to public school, so they didn't have the draw of kids. Um, now that has really changed and kids actually want to go to our school. It has a lot of sports programs and music programs and um, fabulous academic programs that it just wouldn't have had when I w- would have gone there. But it does now. So I think I'd feel differently about that. But I don't know if my parents would, because my parents were very, very adamant that I needed to fit in exactly how things were. And I think, you know, looking back on that, I think there should be a balance in how you do those things. And I don't think my parents really had a balance. So I know their intent was good and the things that I'm saying are are not really meant to be critical, but, but I think, I mean, we all just do what we do. Right. But, but I think that basically, um, it was a very, very challenging time. Um, I, uh, did pretty well in school. I'm surprised. One of my funny stories about that though, was that I had a really hard time in algebra and geometry. Um, geometry is very visual. Algebra really isn't, but I didn't have all the books. They weren't getting them to me in time and, uh, it was pretty challenging. My father was volunteering at a program at the state correctional center, um, where they were doing, um, uh, they had a Braille program and uh, some of the inmates who were kind of stars academically uh, were allowed to participate in this program and could get some of their sentence commuted by uh, working hard in this program and brailing books for high school kids like me. And my dad did some volunteer work related to this program. So one of the things that he did was to assist uh, inmates who were being released to um, to get a sponsor. I was trying to think, what is it they did? They got a sponsor. So one of the things that he was doing was that. And so in one of those cases, he sponsored an absolutely brilliant guy who became my tutor for algebra and then geometry. And uh, Lester's comment to the world, to uh, to the judge and to the sponsor people and all that was, you know, if I'd known I was going to have to do this, I think I wouldn't have committed any crime because this is tougher than anything they gave me to do when I was locked up. And and he meant well by that. We got along really well, but I struggled in uh, both of those classes, but I struggled a lot less because we were uh, working uh, several hours a week to make sure I understood this stuff. And I haven't needed algebra or geometry too much in my rest of my life, so I'm sure I've forgotten everything he and I did, but it definitely helped him uh, go to the straight and narrow because he said, I'll never do anything I shouldn't do again in case it's worse next time and I get a bigger assignment. So there you go. But um, but I made it through high school and all of that. Um, I am really fortunate in a couple of areas. One of them was that I um, had a job um, 
in high school. And, you know, blind kids nowadays often get employment in high school, uh, either that the, uh, that the rehab folks arrange in some way for them uh, or that they find on their own or whatever. But it's much more common now. But when I was going to high school, I was the only blind uh, teenager I knew who had a job and I had two of them. So I was pleased. Uh, one of them was um, related to what became my college major in music. So I played the organ and piano for various things that I got paid for. I did lots of weddings and lots of stuff like that. And I played for a big church that was big enough to uh, hire someone. And I did a number of other things like that. The other thing I got to do, I had aspirations to be in radio in those days as well. And I landed a job um, in high school at a, as soon as you were 16, you could work in our state. And uh, I landed a job at a small local real on air radio station. And I probably never would have gotten this, but the owner was a distant relative of uh, Diane Schur, the singer, who was a friend of mine. She's actually from here originally. And she was a friend of mine in high school and she made that connection for me. Thank you, Diane. And uh, that, that worked out really well. And it, definitely told me I didn't want a career in radio. So that was useful. So flashing forward, um, I went to college. I went to a small uh, private college. I majored in music. I determined after three years of college that I didn't want a career in music because that looked really bleak, actually. I didn't want to have piano students and I didn't want all that other weirdness. So I dropped out of school and I set out to go to work. And um, I was very fortunate to get a contract position uh, with Services for the Blind. In those days, this is now um, early 70s, uh, you didn't have to have a degree in rehab or in rehab teaching to, to get on with probably almost any of the uh, agencies. Certainly wasn't the case here, so um, I was able to uh, to get a job and worked for several years. I got another job as an employment specialist with the city a couple of years into that. And the big thing I'll tell you about that job is I was fired. So one of the things that can happen for you is that you can survive after having a devastating employment experience. And so I decided when I was, uh, after recovering from this, and I won't take the time to go into all the details because time is short here, but, um, but it is an interesting story and I did survive it. And after about three months of being unemployed, I decided I had rehabilitated myself to the point I was going to go back to work after having thought I might never. And so I um, needed to prove myself because after all, I had been fired and I needed to figure this out. Um, I have always been a great believer in volunteerism and I volunteer probably 60 hours a week now in my retirement. But at that time, I needed to volunteer to get a job. And one of my pieces of advice to people has always been, uh, if you don't have a job and you need to demonstrate your soft skills and maybe some of your other skills, go out and volunteer. So I took four volunteer jobs that looked interesting to me. And I asked them for the one commitment of giving me a letter of recommendation if I did well. And I said, only if I do well, and not that I did well as a blind person or something, but I said, that I really, that you really would hire me. 
And I got those letters. And so I had then no difficulty getting another job. Um, that job did not last but a couple years because of funding problems. So it had nothing to do with being fired this time. And the next work that I had was with the Department of Services for the Blind. And I worked for them for 16 years in a lot of different ways. Started out as a rehab teacher and became a counselor, uh, managed the orientation center, and then started their formal job placement program with assistive technology resources and all of those kind of things. And now we're to the early 80s. And uh, so basically, and up to the mid 90s. So that was my employment with them. It was a real challenging time to work for them when I came because uh, they had been an agency that had been managed uh, pretty much through the NFB and uh, things fell apart. The commission, they were a commission for the blind. Uh, They got into some legal trouble and the governor changed their status. And there were just a lot of things that happened and some of those impacted my employment. And I learned a lot about how that stuff works. Um, So that was interesting to me. I worked for them till uh, 1996. And then they always tell you, you know, think about how you're going to have your job interviews and you have to sell yourself in the first 30 seconds. Um, We had a contractual relationship with the assistive technology program. Uh, It would be the same as Able Tech for you all. And um, I was involved in um, that relationship and uh, our version of Able Tech had an audit and one of the findings in the audit was that they needed to hire a new program manager. So one day I was walking in from taking my dog out to relieve and I was passing the reception desk and I heard the receptionist say, oh, she's walking right by me. I'll let you talk to her right here if you want to. And it was this guy from the university <laughs> and his first question was, uh, we, can, can we offer you a job? When can you start? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm standing in front of the reception desk. <laughs> so anyway, that is basically how it happened. And I went to work for them in, uh, 1996 and stayed with them till, uh, 2018. Well, after I'd been with them for about five years, the Department of Services for the Blind, where I had worked, and the Division of Oak Rehab, both where I had worked, began to miss me, and they began to buy parts of my time back from the university. And so that is why on my resume, I have all these odd things all together, um, uh, managing the AT program for the university, managing the deaf-blind program for the university, but also managing the OIB program, and at one point, the State Independent Living Council and the uh, State Rehab Council for the Blind, all kind of at the same time, because basically they were buying back pieces of my time to do this. So it was very, very crazy. The university loves to work that way. They love people to do that. So that made me a big hit with them, and we um, and we managed. So um, I think, as I think about advice or things to kind of tell people, um, perseverance is, is certainly part of that. Um, and I think thinking about sort of major life, life events, you know, it's kind of like trying to take advantage of where you are. One major life thing that I didn't share with you, and I will, I usually share it in a little bit different place, but I wasn't thinking about it, is that uh, when I was seven, um, I was going 
to take ballet lessons. I had an absolute fixation on ballet costumes at age seven. That's kind of odd, but I did. And um, I wanted to, I, I wanted to, uh, well, the, the translation was I want to take ballet and become a ballet star. But the real translation was I want to wear a ballet costume. I don't care about the rest. Um, I got my first ballet lesson and it was wonderful. And I was ready to go on to the rest of it um, and was promised a ballet costume if I you know got to a certain place. But unfortunately, the next day I was run over by a delivery truck and it um, crushed all of my basically uh, organs in the center. So uh, my pelvis, my kidneys, my bladder, whatever you have in there, in that whole region um, was squished. And so that uh, took, um, took me out of school, of course, for a long time, uh, took me off my feet, ended my ballet career. Um, and I did um, recover and walk and I, and I do get around. I have a guide dog, but I do have some significant um, mobility limitations um, that I've pretty much learned to accommodate, but that was very, very life-changing um, because it, it changed uh, the sort of the way I saw the world and it changed sort of the way my parents saw me in some ways. And, and I think it did change a lot of things in, in my life. So, you know, we do have these different pivotal moments that come by us and, and that we sort of have to work through. And I'm still suffering from never actually having a ballet costume, but <laughs> I guess I'll make it. <laughs> anyway, um, I think I need to close, but I, um, I think I think the things that that really strike me are that um, people need to be encouraged to take advantage of whatever comes by them. I think I've been wonderfully blessed and had a wonderful opportunity because um, my parents kind of taught me to be assertive and to uh, kind of get out there and take risks and um, do things that you. Uh, don't expect to do and um, and just see how they turn out and that it's okay if they don't all turn out okay. I think one of the things that we get sometimes as blind kids, certainly we got in our generation was the notion that you have to do everything better than everyone else or they won't accept you. And I think there's a tiny bit of truth in that, but I think we need to push that back and say, no, that's not a good way to look at this. Um, because of people's lack of information and lack of understanding, they assume that you know, you have to do it better if you're doing it at all. But in fact, you just need to do what you do as well as you can do it and um, let the rest go. And it took me a long time to learn that. I think I missed some wonderful opportunities in my life because I didn't just accept that idea. I, I just thought that it had to all be done well. And fortunately for me, I did do many things well, but you know, we all have things we don't do well and that needs to be okay. It needs to be okay to just not do them or it needs to be okay to do them how you do them because that might be fun too. So, um, so I, I think that that those things are important for me. And those things are important for me as we move forward with ACB as well, which is that um, we, we have to take risks. We have to try new things. Um, change is sometimes very, very challenging and, and hard, but that's how we move forward. 
And, um, you know, the Oklahoma Council of the Blind has a rich history of leadership, um, a rich history of, um, of being a part of this fabulous organization. And yes, I'm glad Jay figured out that it's Leroy because I was going to correct him. <laughs> but anyway, I, that, I, do, I did know uh, Leroy Saunders and, um, and just thought he was a wonderful person. I didn't know Gordon. I want to thank you all for having me. It's been fabulous. I've really enjoyed uh, participating even in the way that I've been able to. And I would have loved, as I said this morning, to have actually been there in person. It's, it's easier except for the travel. And uh, so I I really realized that that's great. Um, I wish you the best with your auction tonight. I remember your auction from last year. I bought that fabulous salsa and I enjoyed that for a long time. So um, if, if uh, there's salsa there, that's mine. Uh, but anyway, I uh, want to thank you all for, for having me. I hope I can come in person at some point and um, that uh, we'll get a better airline situation going. And I just uh, wish your council the best and on all of you the best. And um, it's been a real privilege and honor. I especially want to thank uh, Toby and Jay for all the work they did to uh, make all this connection stuff possible. It's actually still amazing to me that we can do this this way. I mean, it's just very amazing. So thank you all so much and um, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you very much. I told you. I told you that there was some talent with uh, this woman. Uh, Deb, the uh, biggest laugh you got was when you said, well, I never really used algebra. And yeah, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. And calculus anyway. Yeah. And uh, quite a few people sort of shook their heads and laughed. <laughs> That's right. So we we thank you very much. You're welcome here in Oklahoma anytime. And uh, we'll be talking with you and listening for you down the road. And by, uh, before I go, uh, before you go, uh-huh. I want to tell you, I've listened to Rick's Saturday night show. Oh, yeah. The one thing about Rick's show on ride radio is that he sometimes pulls stuff that I don't have in my collection. (laughs) Uh, And, and he sort of prides himself in playing some things that nobody else is playing. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can tell him that he's got a fan with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, He competes with my friend over on XM radio there. Uh, Why am I doing Pat, Pat St. John. Oh yes. Uh Uh-huh. Because Pat's on uh, XM right. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. On this, on mm-hmm. this well, we Saturday. replay ours on Wednesday afternoon. So his countdown oh, show. You re- you do? Yeah, oh. replays on Wednesday. It would be at 2 p.m. your time. I'm telling you, his Saturday night show, you should really listen for it and then listen for the repeat. Thanks, Deb. Thank We're glad you, you came. Thanks Thank a you lot. All. Yes. We're thankful for our fellowship with our friends and our our leaders. We thank you for so many things. You've blessed us thus far, and we intend, we assume that you will continue to be with us, be with us throughout this function, throughout our meeting, and we give you all the praise for all that you do for us. In the name of our Lord, we pray. Amen. All right now, uh, the president of the Oklahoma Council of the Blind. 
is going to introduce the guests. You're doing that? Okay. It, it's, it says the program, so you might as well. All right. This is not the president. Uh, this is Tom Love. All right. Yes, it's Tom Love again. At this time, I'd like to introduce our guest and our, and our uh, honored people at, at this time. I am Tom Love. I'm the co I'm the co-chair, and the president is sitting right here. She is Kay Love. You'll raise your hand. Some can. Sitting next to her is the other co-chair, Vicki Golightly. She is also the past president. Did I get that right? Our first vice president sitting at the table there, uh, Elaine Dalkin. Boy, excuse me. I was going to say her, her other name is Dalda. And that's Jay. Jay Dalna is her husband. And he's going to be the, uh, the person. All right. He's going to be the MC for tonight. He needs to take over now. So, uh, our second vice president, where is she? I'm trying to find where she's seated. Oh, there she is. The lady standing up here in the front is our second vice president. She's Pam Holloway. Please give her a line. Next, next is our treasure, and you'll you'll know her real well tonight because she's the lady that can collect all the money. And this is Francis Poindexter, everybody. So you know everybody knows Francis. Our secretary, who could not be with us, is Marilyn Sanders, but uh, she had a, a family situation which she had to take care of and was not able to attend tonight. Now, we do have some honored guests with us, and I hope I get them all right. Sitting at this table with me and my lovely wife is our Lawton's own Mayor Stan Booker. Did the Chamber of Commerce guest arrive? Mr. Epps. He has not. All right. Also sitting next to Rocco Bonacci back there is one of our guests. And uh, she is Mrs. Come on, Tom. Start, uh, yeah, it's Jennifer. That's what I was looking for. Fortinball. She has no name pizza and supports the Lawton Council of the Blind. So that's why we give her honorable mention. She helps us. And is Lawton Community Theater representatives here? Right, one of them. All right. What? Remind your name. Oh, I can't. Right. <laughs> Chaz is not here, but Vedic is here. 
He's a great actor, and he's gonna he's with a Lawton chain, uh, Community Theater, and they do great things. Matter of fact, they give Lawton Council Blind tickets to uh, attend all their performances, and we're trying to encourage other cities to do this as well. So Lawton is a forerunner. Uh, the other guest, which is from the Lawton Philharmonic uh, Orchestra, they could not be with us tonight, unfortunately. So now I will turn it over to our past president today. She is our past president, Ray Magby Fitzpatrick. And she has several guests that she would like to introduce. Going to have to stand up. Thank you, Tom. I'll try to to get through this since very, you're not going <laughs> to. I want your people, but then I understand. Okay, okay. I have a um, guest here um, that she she works at Mass's gift store, and she helped me wrapping the gifts that you see up top, up front. So she is a very special friend. Her name is Tracy. Taylor, I had almost said your maiden name too, Tracy Taylor. And then um, the auctioneer, I will. Oh, let please, you let go me, ahead. I get to introduce this. And his lovely wife. This is a man that you guys are going to all love. You know, it may be love to hate, but you're going to love him. He is our auctioneer. He's been at this, I was told, 45 years, but I don't believe it. He's too young looking. Uh, this is discounts on the bids if you do. I don't want discounts. I want people to reach out and connect. This is Jamie Kreider. Is that right? And I'm not going to give you all his background, but he's going to be, and he's going to be auctioning off all the live auctions stuff up front. You will know exactly what's there because they will be described before the auction. And you and his lovely wife is with us, Tina. And she's going to help him to make sure he stays on track. What'd you say? Thank you. Please have a nice night eating. And please eat your salads. And dinner will be out here in just a few minutes. 